0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to an audio experience brought to you by Muslims on the Move, a program of Advanced Platform Committee. Once again, we want to engage with you through this podcast and hope it benefits you. So take a listen to this week's episode and let us know what you think.
1: My brothers and sisters in Islam, welcome to yet another Wednesday. I pray that Allah uh, is with each and every one of you. And yet again, uh, we want to wish you uh Alaikum. Uh, this is yet uh, another Wednesday, but it's the Wednesday within the last 10 days of Ramadan. And we have our beloved brother here, uh, Brother Qadri Qasim. you um, will be talking to us about parenting uh, in Islam. Uh, as Alaikum Brother Qadri.
0: All right. uh, thank you for having me. Bismillah. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Once again, um, I would like to wish everyone a happy Ramadan. And as a quick reminder, it is the last 10 days of Ramadan. Uh, let's do our best to make the most of all of these days. Um, let's not just concentrate on a certain few of them. Let's just make sure to do as much as we can on all the days and inshallah, all of our previous sins will be forgiven and we will guarantee our spot a spot for ourselves in paradise. So I would like to start with the question. What is a Muslim parent? I'm sure all of us are in uh, various social groups. There are groups for Muslim doctors, uh, Muslim lawyers, right Muslim mechanics, and so on. When we add the title Muslim, to the beginning of those, we expect something different. So when we say Muslim parent, we expect a person to have specific qualities. Uh, So let's discuss some of those qualities today. Uh, One thing I'd like to make sure that everyone understands is we should not underestimate the impact that our conduct has on our children. I'm actually, um, I was, uh, I'm a friend recommended to me a book written by Oprah and another one of, uh, and another uh, medical doctor about trauma. Book is titled, um, What Happened to You? And I recommended, I recommend this book to everyone. It's a very good book, uh, just about the effects of trauma and how to heal from trauma. And in it, uh, I'm not finished with it yet, but one thing that I'm gaining from it definitely is the profound effects that a um, child's up. Uh, child's uh, parents have on how they act. So, for example, there was a there was um, a uh, a woman in there who was having um, court ordered visitations with her child, like supervised visitations. And so, the instructions that she was given was to never give her child any kind of uh, sweets because like, something was wrong. Like it was uh, for for whatever reason, they decided bringing her candy wasn't a good thing. And so she but w- she would be constantly bringing candy anyway. And the, the the doctor, the co-author was there with them and tried to understand why is it that she continues to try and bring this candy. And it's because when she, when that woman, when she was a child, her parents would constantly be giving her candy and she did, And she, in her mind, it's like, well, candy is a way to, is, my, is a way that my parents were showing love to me. So that's the only way she knows how to express love. Or one of the only ways she knows how to express love is by, um, uh, by by you know giving candy right, and so all these years later, when she is a parent herself, she is modeling the behavior that she saw her own parents doing, right. So it's very important for us that we understand this that our our conduct, our behavior, profoundly has an impact on how our children uh, come up. So there are several things that impact how they are raised. Not just parents. There is uh, the media that they're exposed to. There is um, their friend groups, right? The schools that they go to as well. Uh, and school is on the list because of the amount of time they spend there. Uh, um, and and also the thing about school is that, you know, of course, uh, at school, they're not just learning uh, two plus two equals four. Values are being imparted to the children as well. And that's why you'll see if you look in the news um, in the last few years, there has been lots of disagreements between different school boards and Parent groups, because the school board is teaching things to the kids at the school that the parents don't necessarily agree with. So, yeah, they're learning two plus two equals four. At the same time, they're learning these things that the parents, um, uh, uh, certain, certain about certain uh, uh, value, dis- making certain teaching them to make certain value decisions that the parents don't think are okay is what I'm trying to say. So, despite all of these, parents still have the most impact. On our child, even though they do have other influences such as school and uh, uh, peer groups and so on. So we are the number one influence. Um, So let's figure out, okay, what are some qualities that a Muslim parent should have to ensure the best uh, uh, upbringing for our child, for our children? So we'll cover uh, three of them today. Point number one, Pray for your children. We can never remind ourselves enough about the importance of dua, supplication. Supplication is the backbone of worship. As Rasulullah said, I dua mukhul ibadah That dua is the crux, the essence, the backbone, the foundation of worship. Dua is like a conversation with Allah which where we put our needs before him. And we ask his help in the resolution of all of our problems. So anything we want to accomplish, any difficulties we may face, supplication, dua, should be the first and the last thing we do. So all throughout our lives, in whatever we're doing, supplication should be a constant thing. One of the um, pious predecessors in the past said, when you want to tie your shoelace, make sure you make du'a because if Allah doesn't want you to tie your shoelace, the shoelace won't be tied because Allah is, of course, in control of every single thing that happens to us. And so it behooves us to make du'a in order to facilitate seeing the results that we would like to see in this life. So when we pray to Allah for our children, it gives us a mindset change, okay? It increases our reliance on Allah because we understand that ultimately He is the one who has control over our affairs. Because think about it, why should I call on someone who can't help me? I mean, that's just, that's just it makes, makes the most sense. If I'm stuck on the side of the road and I need, a, I need someone to um, help me uh, uh, tow my car, right, I'm asking people as they go by because I think that they have the ability to help. Or when I when I make a when I make a phone call for someone who can help me out of the situation, I'm not going to call my coworker who's you know on vacation in Hawaii when I'm over here in Oklahoma, for example. I'm gonna call somebody who's nearby who can help me. And then when if I call if I call on my friend in Hawaii, he's gonna be like, why are you calling me? Call somebody else. I can't help you. So when I call on someone, it's because that person can help me. So this in, this increases our um, reliance on Allah and it, it gets us to understand, it puts into our mind that Allah is the one who is um, um who can answer our prayers. Also, it gives us a positive attitude. Because when I call on Allah, I should expect that He, he, he will answer my dua. As, as Rasulullah said, ijaba. Call on Allah being certain in a response. So when I, my attitude when supplicating to Allah should not be, well, you know, he might answer or he might not answer. You know, I'm not really sure. You know, eh, you know Allah knows best if he's going to answer or not. No, he, Allah will respond to you as long as you have good expectations to him and are certain that he will respond. Now, I didn't say he will answer your du'a directly. I said he will respond. Because what you're asking for might not be what's best for you. And so he will respond in a way that's best for you. Because what you're asking for might, might not be good. Maybe if you get it right now, you will misuse it. Or someone else will come and try and take it from you. And so on and so on. Right? So Allah knows what to give you and when to give it to you. Okay. So Allah will respond to our du'as. And it also causes us, when we make du'a, causes us to work for the outcomes we want to see, right? Um, it, 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 so if, for example, if I want my son to be a reader, someone who likes to read, you know, it just, it just makes logical sense. I'm not going to, you know, have the TV on watching Sonic the Hedgehog all day. And then I'm sitting here in the corner, yeah, Allah, please, you know, make my son... The, uh, the, uh, um, a reader, who, someone who loves to read, and yet there's TV on all day. I just pop him in front of the TV every day and expect him to just miraculously like reading. That's not how it works. The easiest thing to do, to be honest with you, is to just watch a movie and watch a TV show. Okay? So it causes us to want to, to work to get the things we want because Allah is going to answer us, but then we also have to put in some effort as well, as we have been taught in Islam, right? You tie your camel and you put your trust in Allah. So what are some um, du'as we can use in order to help us um, you know, when raising our children? Right? What are some, some du'as that we have been taught from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah? So the first one, when we are making major decisions about our children's future, we should make istikhara. As a quick reminder, istikhara is a du'a that we use to seek counsel from Allah to for him to guide us to the best decision and to the best course of action in whatever decision we're trying to make. So for example, if I'm trying to pick where should I put my child in school? um, Where should we, you know, should we move to this location or not? Because when you move, everybody's always thinking to themselves, what kind of schools are there? What kind of social environment will be for my children? Right. Will there you know, will they just, will they adjust to the, um, um, to the new environment, well, because if they don't adjust, then that you might have to shut everything down and move back to where you were, where you came from before. Right. So, all these things, major decisions you make in your life have an effect on your children. So, definitely, it makes sense for us to uh, make istikhara, and it's a whole process. Right. And that's for another time to discuss exactly how to go through um, istikhara prayer. Also, there's the supplications that we learn in the Quran, uh, one of them is from. Uh, chapter 25, Surah Furqan, where Allah, He talks about the qualities of His righteous slaves, Ribadur Rahman. Towards the end of that passage, He says, one of the qualities is those who pray, رَبَّنَا wa wa lil muttaqina imama. Our Lord, make our spouses and our descendants, not just my children, but my all of my descendants my children's children make them the coolness of our eyes and make us leaders for the muttaqin what is qurratu ayun this is a figure of speech in arabic what happens is as you're riding around the desert you um, you know there's sand blowing up right all over the place and so your eyes get get sandy and dirty and they're they're irritated and so you know you, you take a stop and you take out some of your own water or you find a little you know um, oasis of water, and you splash your eyes with water and give them some comfort. So that's where the um, coolness of your eyes comes from. So what you're saying here is, oh Allah, make my children, my my spouse and my children, um, um, make them a comfort for me. right? No one wants to see anything they dislike from their children. We all want our children to be happy and healthy and you know, and and um, strong academically and so on, right? We all want that uh, for our children. We don't want to see anything we dislike, right? <clears throat> Whether it's physically or mentally or socially or whatever, right? And so we're praying to Allah to not have that happen to us. So he says, make them the coolness of our eyes. lil muttaqina imama. Make us leaders for the righteous people. We are also taught in the Quran, um, uh, in another surah, um, Allah says, uh, رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَنْ أَمْتَ عَلَيَّ وَعَلَىٰ Oh Allah, help me to be thankful for, inspire me essentially, to be thankful for the blessings you have bestowed on me and on my parents. And, make, and, and allow me to do good deeds and make my children righteous. So he says, allow me to be thankful for my parents, allow me to do good deeds and make my children righteous. Look at the order. You're starting with the past. Thank you for the parents that raised me properly. Allow me to stay on your religion and and, and give me the ability to do good deeds. And when I'm doing my good deeds, that will automatically lead to my children following me. Make my children righteous. So this is another dua. Last dua we'll talk about is the dua for removal of calamities. We're taught this in the sunnah. Rasulullah told us if we say three times in the morning and three times in the evening a particular du'a Then we are saved from all calamities happening in that day and in that night The du'a is Bismillah um, the, um, the one in whose name there is no harm in the heavens and in, or in the earth And he's the all hearing, all seeing. Say this three times in the morning, three times in the evening, and throughout that day, inshallah, Allah will protect you from all kinds of calamities. And one of the the worst calamities that we could face is something happening to our children, right? So these are uh, some du'as we can make to um, help us to, uh, uh, um, some, some prescribed du'as we can make. To the inshallah will help us with our, um, to help us raise our children. Also, um, and further, further information about du'as, let's take advantage of times that our supplication, the acceptance of it gets, is increased, right? So, times like in our sujood, that we can make any du'a we want in our sujood, in the last third of the night, right? And also know that the prayer of a parent for the child is accepted as well. And alhamdulillah, Look where we are right now. We're in Ramadan, the, blessed, the most blessed time of the year. We're in the last 10 days of Ramadan. If there's something that you really need, wake up in these last 10 nights, in the last third of the night, and pray to Allah. You know, Ya Allah, cure my child. If there's, he has some sort of sickness or, or some medical issues that you've been concerned about, wake up in the middle of the night right now. Do it now. And pray to Allah. Right? Um, uh, 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 And in general, the last third of the night is also a good time to pray for whatever we need as well. So to summarize this point, dua is something that should color all aspects of our lives. Dua in the beginning, dua in the middle, dua in the end. Pray for our children. Pray for the ability to be role models for for our children. Pray for Allah to keep your children on Islam and also use some of the duas The prescribed du'as that we've talked about in this, um, um, talked about earlier. So, all that is point number one. Alhamdulillah. um, Makes du'a for his children, the Muslim parent. Point number two the Muslim parent has integrity. What is integrity? According according to the Merriam Webster Dictionary, integrity is firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic value, right? That's according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, meaning I I firmly adhere, I stick to a certain way of acting in in a given situation, okay? So let's go to the Quran very quickly. And Surah Baqarah, the first several verses talk about the, there's a discussion about believers, the disbelievers, and the hypocrites. And when Allah talks about the hypocrites, He mentions several blameworthy characteristics of them. There's a certain ayah where Allah talks about when the hypocrites come to the believers, they say, um, you know, قَالُوا آمَنَّا Then He says, وَإِذَا إِلَىٰ when, uh, uh, when they, you know, retreat back to their, the real group they're with, they say, we're actually with you, right? We we um and we were just joking, you know, with those guys before. So what's happening here? With group A, they're acting one way. With group B, they're acting a different way. The hypocrites in this situation don't have integrity, they don't have a consistent a code of conduct in whatever situation that they're in. Depending on the situation, that's how their behavior will change, whatever will benefit them in that situation. So the second point I'm making is, children, attention pay to what we do, not what we say. Children, attention pay to what we do, not what we say. If I want my child to come up properly, I need to be a role model for my child. Period. We have to model the behaviors we want to see in our children. So when we were growing up, things were likely different. If you have children right now, however long ago it was, or in whatever country you came from, right, the relationship might have been more formal. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying this is how it is. How You just do as you're told and, you know, and that's it, right? You don't question it. You just do it or you get in trouble. Okay. So um, nowadays, and this isn't just in America, this is all over the world, right? We don't have that luxury. Okay. We can't expect our child to not copy what we do. So, um, you know, if you're not um, being as consistent as possible, then don't expect if you're don't, don't be surprised when your child has some qualities that you don't want them to have. Of course, you're not going to be perfect, but we need to do as good as we can. And so as a Muslim parent, I should strive to have integrity, act consistently in whatever situation that I am so that I can provide a compass to my child so that they can um, act uh, in accordance with the values that I want to give them. So what do I mean by provide them a compass? So let's say it's time to pray, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you take out your phone, you try and find where the Qibla is. Let's pretend like the Qibla is right in front of me, okay? So if I take out my phone right now and look at it, where's the Qibla? Straight ahead, right? If I leave the room and go to the next room over, where's the Qibla? Straight ahead. If I go in a little closet by myself and, you know, turn on the flashlight and look at my phone, where's the Qibla? It's straight ahead. That's the direction it is. So no matter where I go, no matter what situation that I'm in, or so whenever, wherever I am, the qibla is always in the same direction. That's, that's, that is the function of a compass. Wherever I am, it tells me how I should act, where I should go, where I should um, face. Okay? So when I myself am consistent in my behavior, then I'm providing my child with a compass. I, I let him know that, He should act consistently in whatever situation that he's in. Okay? For example, with prayer, if they're always seeing me pray on time, wherever I am, whatever situation that I'm in, right? I'm at the rodeo. I'm at the mall. I'm at, you know, somebody's wedding, right? Or wherever I am, we always take time out to stop and go find some place to pray. My child will eventually get the message that Muslims pray and they pray on time, okay? And, and then when they're at home by themselves, you don't have to think so much that, oh, are they going to pray or not? Because you have modeled for them the proper behavior. Therefore, when they're on their own, they will you know, um, um, express those values that you wish to see in them. And so I have um, some examples of this, where at our masjid locally, <clears throat> several years ago, I'll never forget it because I was so shocked. Uh, uh, we had a college and career symposium where kids can come in and learn about college and careers from their elders in the community. And so I remember we were still setting up. um, It was like 10, 20 minutes before start time. And this kid walked in and subhanAllah, he walked in with both of his parents and he looked like he was dressed up for an interview, right? He had, you know, dress shirt, dress pants, shoes, everything. He had a backpack. He had a notebook with a paper and pen. I mean, he he was, I mean, and they both, everybody was walking in there. So what this parents are trying to show to him is the importance of education, right? And they both showed up. So this, this definitely shows that, hey, they are taking this thing seriously. So the parents are modeling for this child the importance of education, right? I have another example. We were at another masjid, and um, I was helping to... Uh, lead some sort of youth activity. I forgot exactly what it was, but it was, it was the time. And uh, we had, we were just sitting around waiting for the hor. you know, the hadn't been called yet. And I told the guys that were with me and I said, Hey guys, go on ahead and, you know, do, do two sunnah prayers, do your sunnah. And one of the kids told me, this isn't Sunday school. So sunnah prayer is only for Sunday school. So I have to ask the question, is the importance of prayer being properly modeled for this child? I don't know. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just asking the question, right? Because that's kind of strange to me that I'm telling you to pray sunnah and you're telling me this is only sun, this, this isn't Sunday school, as if the only place you're supposed to pray sunnah is in Sunday school, right? Last example, I just have to share this last one. Um, so Sometimes, you know, as as all other parents have the issue, um, sometimes my kids don't listen, right? And so, in the past, I would just give them like a little flick, just you know, on the arm or on the leg or something like that, just to get them to pay attention, okay? And so, I would, uh, so I saw my daughter one time flicking her brother, and I said, "Hey, don't do that. Don't flick." And she goes, "But, Daddy, you flick. What am I supposed to say, right?" She saw her dad do it, so she thinks it's okay. So over time, you know, um, I've had to modify my parenting strategy because definitely my children, they copy what they see us doing. Okay. So once again, when I'm consistent in my behavior, when my child encounters something when they get older that, you know, most children these days are going to face, let's face it, alcohol, drugs, you know, all the things that we know we aren't supposed to do in Islam, but Sometimes you know we are presented with those things, and we may not be there. You know, for it might be on purpose or it might be on accident. Who knows, right? They're in college. They go to a party. They don't. I mean, they go to somebody's house. They're just trying to hang out with friends, and somebody brings out alcohol and says, "Hey, man, try some," right? What What do you do with that situation? Okay. And if I didn't provide them a compass, if I wasn't, if I didn't have integrity in my own behavior, it's possible they may just give in. They might just give in because let's face it, the easiest thing to do is to just give in to the peer pressure or just keep watching the movie as prayer time comes. I mean, prayer comes, prayer goes, prayer comes, prayer goes, and we're all just sitting there playing video games, watching TV. Nobody's getting up to pray, right? Because they didn't see that modeled uh, for them. All right, the last thing about this, um, in this section I'd like to share is a poem I found in a book. I don't remember what book I was reading. All I remember is I took a picture, put it away somewhere because I said this poem is amazing. So I'd like to read this for you. Uh, this poem. The poem is titled, The Little Chap Who Follows Me. A careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says, he's going to be that little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer suns and winter snows, I am building for the years to be that little chap who follows me. So I think that summarizes everything that I was uh, trying to say. Uh, Last point about this um, modeling good behavior is, I'd like to say is, this actually doesn't just benefit us in uh, in this life; it benefits our children. It benefits our children when after we're gone. So there's a um, in Surah Kahaf, when Musa was following Khadir around, um, you know, and he couldn't be patient with some of the things he saw uh, Khadir doing. Uh, when the when um, you know Musa said, "Hey, you, could, you should have taken a wage from those guys when you helped them rebuild that wall." Khadir said that hey, the reason I did this is because there is a treasure under this wall and there's these two young boys who that belongs to. Right now is not the time for them to get it because they're not going to be able to manage it. People will just take it from them. Right? And so he said, Abu Their father was a righteous man. So because their father was righteous, Allah is taking care of his children after he's gone. So this issue of integrity trying to do the, you know, model proper behavior for my child, it benefits you know, me now in that I see the results of my efforts, and when I'm gone, insha'Allah, Allah Himself will take care of the children. SubhanAllah, Allah sent someone to build this wall to take care of those children for this man who had passed away, SubhanAllah. So that's the last part, um, integrity. A Muslim has uh, integrity, a consistent model of behavior. <clears throat> The last point that we'll discuss when it comes to um, dealing with our children is the Muslim parent speaks well to his children. Allah says in Surah Baqarah, قُولُوا linnasi husna." Speak well to all people. Allah did not restrict this phrase when he said speak well to everyone. He said "Linnas all people, everybody, Muslim, non-Muslim. Man, woman, young, old, parent, child, everyone should speak good to everyone, right? And be be well-mannered and speak well to everybody. So the context of this is Allah was talking about a covenant that he took with the children of Israel, and in it was a list of things that they should do. One of them was speaking good to everyone, because good speech leads to good relationships, right? That's ultimately what it boils down to. OK, so let's foster an environment of encouragement with our children. And, and let me tell you, this is something I struggle with as well. So it's not me standing here telling you that, oh, um, you know, you need all need to speak good to your children. You know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. We all struggle with this. You know, especially when you come home and you're tired and your children haven't been listening or something annoys you or whatever. Right. You know, it's, it, this is definitely something that's. Um, that we're all challenged with, we ask Allah to help all of us. So let's take an honest look at our communication. Is it mostly positive or mostly negative? Right? So the the thing that researchers have found is that it takes five positive interactions to overcome one negative interaction. So even 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 amongst spouses, if I say something mean to my wife, It takes on average five positive interactions to counteract that negative interaction that I had there. So it's tough, but we have to spend more time and be more cognizant of our, um, uh, how we speak to our children, because definitely how we speak has also has, has an effect on their upbringing as well. Some of us might be scared that if I'm too positive with them, they might think they're doing everything right. And they're not. Look, There's clothes still on the floor. They didn't do their laundry. They didn't do their homework. They got in trouble at school and so on and so on. How can I be positive when they're doing so much wrong? So let's combine the two things, okay? We can be positive and hold others accountable for the uh, poor decision they have made, okay? So let's look at at a hadith of when the Prophet ﷺ um, corrected some of the younger companions, he was with one of the younger companions i forgot which one it was now but the young the the, the, the companion at the time was a young boy and there was a plate of fruit in front of him and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi and he was reaching his hands all over the plate and eating right so rasulullah sallallahu told him say bismillah eat with your right hand and eat from that which is closest to you see he he, did, he, he never once told him don't do this, don't do that, don't eat with your left hand, don't eat like that, don't, he said no. He kept it all positive. He told him what to do, okay? And when you tell somebody what to do, they automatically know that the other thing they were doing was wrong. But the way you say it makes it easier for them to accept it. So he told him, say bismillah, that's, that's so, so he's teaching us as well. Eat with your right hand, so we know we should eat with our right hands, and when there's a big plate of food, start with what's closest to you. That's what he's trying to tell him. So he was positive and he held them accountable for the things he was um, doing incorrectly. So we can combine the two. Don't think that um, it might take a little bit of thinking on our part, but we can combine the two. We can be positive and hold others accountable. So some practical things we can do. Don't insult their character or add sarcastic remarks with praise. So don't insult their character. Uh, You're such a slob. You're so so lazy. You don't do anything, you know? Wouldn't it be great if I called my son lazy and he said, you know what, dad? I am lazy. Thank you for telling me. I'm From now on, I'm going to change my ways. That would be fantastic if that would happen. But unfortunately, that's not the case. If every day I call my son a lazy, no good, this and that, then unfortunately, my son is going to become a lazy, no good, this and that. I don't know all the psychology behind it. All I know is that's the truth. we have to speak positively to our children, okay? So don't insult their character. Also, don't add sarcastic remarks with praise. If you praise them, praise them fully. Don't say, oh, man, you washed the dishes. Took you long enough, you know? Man, it took you, it took you three hours to do. Like, ugh. I mean, I could have did that myself or something like that, right? So you're praising. That's not really a praise. You're taking the time to, like, dig at them a little bit, right? Just praise them and leave all that other stuff off. Also. Don't lecture them, especially for our older children. I mean, from like five and six on, these children are talking to us like they're adults as well, okay? And so, you don't, for example, you don't tell your son or, son or daughter, what's wrong with you? I told you to, to close the door. You keep constantly forgetting to close the door. Why are you always forgetting to you know, close the door? You're going to let the bugs in. You're going to let the you know, rain come in and it just, Ahmed, door. That's it, right? Uh, uh, um, Aisha, door keep it short. They under, you've already told them before what to do, and they understand what's going on. So just keep it short and sweet, and tell them what to do, and just, um, um, and they will, get the, they will get the message, and it will, be, it will be better received than if you sat down and gave them a lecture. Because let's be honest, when we were lectured as children, we didn't really listen very much anyway. So don't think that when you lecture your children, you're going to have any different result, because it's not. Okay. Also, try and Ask more questions and don't assume what they're trying to do. If you see your child, you know, you told him to pick up something over here and you see him on the other side of the room, don't say, what's wrong with you? I told you to get over here. Pick this up right now. Ask him, hey, Adam, you know, what's going on? I asked you to pick this stuff up, but you're over on the other side of the room. What's going on over there? Do you need something over there? They might say, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I found this other piece of these other toys in the corner over here and I was picking them all up. Oh, okay, that's fine. What if they say, oh, no, I just got distracted. I started playing. OK, son, just let's come back and continue doing what I asked you to do, please, right? Ask more questions and, and hold your judgment as tentative. And once again, that, that questioning mode of interaction is a softer way of interacting with your children. Also, if they throw tantrums, practice being calm. Um, no one throw, has ever thrown a tantrum for 24 hours straight. And your child might be a little more strong-willed than other children. Still, be calm, because you are the calming presence in that relationship. And when they learn to be calm from when when you are calm, they will they will, um um you know at first they might be uh, prone to throwing tantrums and constantly you know uh, uh uh blowing up and everything. But over time, they will they will um, the, your behavior, your calm demeanor will affect them, and they will learn how to better regulate their emotions. But one way to do that definitely is remaining calm when they are throwing tantrums. So to recap all the points, pray for our children. Let us have integrity, a consistent mode of behavior wherever we are and speak well to our children, right? Don't lecture, don't insult their character and so on. All the things that we've talked about. And Allah says in the Quran, speak well to everyone. Of course, that includes our children. So last um, uh, example I'd like to give, or last thing I'd like to say, raising children is like being a farmer. When a farmer has his seeds, all he can do is his best. He goes to his field, he plants his corn, he plants his carrots, he plants his potatoes. He reads the instructions. This is how much they need to be watered. This is, you know, how much sunlight they need if you know a winter storm comes this you know you, this plant needs to be covered that plant is cold hardy and so on and so on right so he does everything he needs to do to make sure that those plants you know, that produces the maximum harvest he might do everything he's supposed to do and those plants still might die but the chances that they will live are greatly increased cuz he did everything he was supposed to do if he doesn't plant it won't grow period he will get zero harvest but if he plants he might get harvest, he might not get harvest. That's the nature of parenting. We do everything that we're supposed to do, but ultimately it, it is in the hands of a law how our children come out, okay? So it's not, it's, it's not uh, we shouldn't say, oh, well, you know, I'm afraid to have children. I've heard people say that. I'm afraid to have children because what if they turn out bad? Well, um, you know, that's where a trust in a law comes in, right? What if, you know, if i want to take that um, uh, 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 that, uh, um, excuse me, I'm losing the words. If I'm going to take that, uh, that logic and apply it to other things, then I could say, I shouldn't apply for this job because I'm I'm probably not going to get it anyway. What if I don't get the job? What if I waste my time interviewing, right? I shouldn't get, try and get a degree because what if I fail all my classes? No one ever says that with, when it comes to money and material things, but when it comes to raising children and all that stuff, oh, what if they turn out bad? Well, again, try your best and inshallah, Because of your efforts, they will come out good. And let me tell you right now, what I've seen personally is the parents who are righteous, 95% of the time, their children come out righteous as well. So we ask Allah to fill our children with compassion and care um, for each member of our family. Um, We ask Allah to grant them piety. We ask Allah to protect them from the evil eye. We ask Allah to help them love, value, and appreciate and respect one another and have good communication between all of our children. Ya Allah, protect our children from any physical harm. Grant our children. We ask Allah to grant our children good friends. We ask Allah to take care of our, of our children after we pass away. And we ask Allah to reunite us with our children and our entire family in paradise. Once again, it is the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Let's push ourselves. Every single night, do something extra. Read an extra page of Quran, donate to some charity, Say something good to your spouse or your children. Do something extra on these nights. So, then that's all for me. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Jazakallah Khair, brother Qadra. Uh, May Allah continue to uh, increase you in Iman and answer all your du'as uh, and grant you the best of this dunya and akira. My brothers and sisters in Islam, please join me in saying jazakallah Khair to our beloved brother as it continues to show up for us uh, here at, at Advanced Platform. Uh, committee and as our uh, brother uh Qadrish said uh, it's, it's indeed the last 10 days of ramadan and just like that uh the time is is is, is going by uh, may Allah make it easy for us to be able to pray for our children uh you know speak with them uh, and show them what integrity looks like and also speak well uh to our children and also may Allah grant us uh patience inshallah uh, but before we depart today inshallah I'd like to remind us of the great work that APC is doing and also just invite us to visit apc.ntnmo.org and also apc.ntnmo.org. Uh, you'll be able to see the great membership uh, um, uh, subscription model that APC has come out with. Uh, it's a way to give back to APC in this month of Ramadan and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to enrich you abundantly. And also Uh, Our uh, flagship program, Yasser, is also coming up very shortly. Uh, We urge you to go to apc.ntnmo.org to sign up for that program. Uh, It's going to be uh, in Los Angeles, California, inshallah. We pray that Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, grant us long life and prosperity to be able to witness that and beyond, inshallah. But once again, uh, you know, jazakalakar to our beloved brother and and, uh, great speaker. Uh, we pray that Allah and you, us, you know, and be with you and your family. And until next time, inshallah, we could Allah. I bid you farewell by saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Muslims on the Move, an audio experience. Brought to you by Muslims on the Move, a program of APC. Let us know what you think about this episode. Share this episode with a friend so they can also benefit. Follow us on Instagram at Advanced Platform and subscribe to our mailing list by visiting APC's website at apc.ncnmo.org. Thanks for listening. Assalamu alaikum.